You're listening to Finn Too Deep. To a back to throw, blitz coming, and get to him. No, he takes off running, and he's he in. It. Touchdown, Miami! With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. What's good, Finn Nation? Welcome back as we dive Finn too deep. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Reason, joined by Neil Driscoll. And Neil, it's uh, it's been a uh, since we did our little schedule release show with Richmond and Ball Game. You know, it's been kind of crazy. A couple things have happened. We've added a, a fantastic edge rotational depth piece that's just going to add another layer to this pass rush. But all of those people talking about the underthrow, there's nothing but crickets chirping while two is out here hitting Waddle, Trent Sherfield, another video with Tyreek Hill, all of those three guys in stride. And we're going to talk about what he also did on Tuesday, and we'll save that little tidbit of what he did on Tuesday until we actually get into it. But he's out here, and he's he's making noise, and we're hearing optimistic and positive things, Neil, that we never heard about him this early in OTAs in 2020 or 2021. And again, crickets are chirping, yet a video of him potentially underthrowing Tyreek Hill has 7 million views, Neil. Um, uh, it's just been a wild ride. You know, it, it's, it never stops in Dolphin land. How are you coping with it? Uh, I know you're a little bit on a... Uh, on a, uh, a a Twitter, a step back from Twitter, but how are you? How are you coping with all this, man? If it's like, if it's not one thing to get excited about, it's another thing to talk about with drama. If it's not drama to talk about, it's something to get excited about. And OTAs have just opened up, my friend. I, I'm ex- I mean, I, I'm not gonna let the optimism and my excitement stop, man. I, I'm ready for the season. I'm not gonna, you know, get into, you know, what could have been what should have been you know what mm-hmm. I, I like everything we've done and, and we talk about this melvin ingram move and you know i i've been hoping that this would come to fruition and be finalized i knew that we had an offer on the table and we were it was a money thing and you know we get the contract details today and it's just another brilliant contract by this front office and and I think that, you know, we we live in a society where everyone wants to go and probably go to NFL.com and check out the stats and see, you know, whatever his stat production was last year. But Melvin Ingram was, you know, he, he was when I watched the game when the Steelers played Josh Allen. Right. And I think it was the home opener. Um, Melvin Ingram outplayed T.J. Watt in that game and he was a menace. And then he went to Kansas City and he was a key player down the stretch. I think he keeps our pass rush rush fresh. Uh, We know he has a good relationship with Xavier Howard, so it shows that, like, Xavier Howard has his footprints and and his hands on this team. But, like, you know, you can't tell me that Andrew Van Ginkle's better than Melvin Ingram. And as much as I like Jalen Phillips, you know, you can't tell me that he's better than him yet either. Uh, To to have that three-headed monster, I'm really excited about Melvin Ingram. And... Um, I, I, you know, I, I still think there's one move that needs to be done here. And I know that the popular name is JC Treader and he's number one on my list as well. But I, I think we need to find an interior offense alignment, whether it's a center or a right guard that allows us to kick Robert Hunt out the right tackle. But I would like to see one more veteran presence brought on the offensive line. But other than that, man, I don't have anything to complain about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sure. Cool. To a, a short, whether he did or not, I, the video doesn't really show you much was Tyree kill running. <laughs> Yeah. Everything that I've seen in a lot of those videos look great, and the Dolphins are producing them, so they should look great. But I'm not I, like the videos get you excited. But what I'm really excited is about what I've been hearing from people that are there, and yeah. Yeah. what I'm hearing from people there are like the arm looks better, he looks more athletic. Holy shit! Is this the vision, the version of Tua that we drafted? Like I heard nothing, and and I know you're gonna laugh at this, right? Like the last couple of weeks on this show, and I said it on Big O show. 
I said that I thought Tua Tungvaloa was a dark horse MVP candidate. Lo and behold, NFL Network came out today and said that Tua Tungvaloa was a dark horse MVP candidate, right? So I put money on it, actually. Uh, he's at plus 6,000 on FanDuel. Well, I mean, I just feel like, you know, whether he wins MVP or not, that's not what's relevant to well, me. Well, I only put 50 bucks on it. It comes out to like three grand. Oh, you did that? Yeah, I did it, bro. I oh, nice. I thought you were saying that somebody on TV did it. No, 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 no. no. I, put, I, put I love it. it. And that'd be a nice payday. Um, I, I just like, for me, like, if he proves to be the franchise quarterback of this football team and we win a playoff game this year, I, I don't know where. I mean, and I'm sure there's going to be some people that are like, well, he's not Patrick Mahomes. And like, I, I just. Like, I don't have time to, like, worry about that. Like, I've cheered for Jay Fiedler. I've cheered for Gus Farratt. I've cheered for Damon Heward. I've cheered for Cleo Levin. Like, I am confident that Tua Tungvaloa is going to turn out to be the best quarterback we've had since Dan Marino. And I couldn't be more excited about the leadership that I see. I see this team gravitating towards him. I'm seeing his receivers go to battle for him on Twitter. Twitter. Jalen Waddell. I see... Tyreek Hill and and you know what man we've needed that swagger the Dolphins of old would just sat and take it you know got punched and sat there I like that we're fighting back on Twitter I like that Robert Hunt's there and Jalen Waddle are giving for the praise because he deserves it he has worked so damn hard this offseason to be this quarterback and I don't know how there's there's a segment maybe of this fan base or just a segment of people that cover football that are not rooting for this guy to be successful because in life, right, man, like it's not always about the outcome. The journey matters. And if Tua Tungvaloa becomes what we all think he is, he could go down as one of the most interesting stories in the history of football. Like the injury, the, the yin yang in between him and Ryan Fitzpatrick, the war with Brian Flores. If after all that shenanigans, he turns out to be, right there with Herbert and Burrow. Like, what an awesome story for football, not just the Dolphins. So I, I never understand the hate towards Tua Tungvaloa, just like I didn't understand it against Tim Tebow. Like, you know, I, it is what it is. I'm excited. I'll be there week one with my number one Tua jersey on, taking my little guy to his first football game, and I can't freaking wait. September 11th can't be here soon enough. A lot to unpack here. Um, so with Melvin Ingram and his deal and his contract, um, he's got a $1.65 million signing bonus, a 1.67 base salary, uh, 680K in per game roster bonus, which is about 40K per game, a 250K Pro Bowl bonus, and up to 750K in playtime sack and team defensive incentives. His cap charge is about $3.92 million, but he can get up to about like around five. Um, and he's brought us down to about, I think around 17 million right now we're sitting at cap wise. Um, you know, in terms of, uh, Tua and, and his leadership and everything that comes with that. And, and just talking about Melvin Ingram for a second here though, you know, people forget how good he was on KC to the point where they put on the UFA tag, the rarely used UFA tag on him. Because I mean, remember this guy was you know, a pressure every nine pass rush snaps, right? I mean, he had 33 pressures on only 320 pass rush attempts with KC. Add in four sacks, five hits, and 24 hurries. I mean, and, and the other thing about him is he's quietly, he's a really good run defender, right? Like, people really discount Melvin Ingram's ability to set the edge as well if he needs to. So, um. You know, I'm a fan of the move, man. The rotational depth it adds you now adds you. It's like, you know, on one side you can have Wilkins as the end. If you want to go three, four base, you can have Wilkins on one side as the end and rotate AVG and uh, and and Melvin Ingram. And on the other side, you can literally slide in Ogba as the other end, and you can have Jalen Phillips next to him. And you go back to when I previewed the prospect when we drafted him last year on my YouTube channel inside the NFL. Jalen Phillips, one of the things I said to him about is, okay, obviously it's deadly that he could be on the opposite side of Ogba, but the one thing is when you're going to be able to line them up because of Ogba's diversity and Phillips' diversity, he can play end as well. When you can put them in and you can rotate them there, you're going to see magic happen, I thought, and then you see and you look at the sub packages this past year where they did do that, 
it was very productive when they had Ogba and Phillips lined up next to each other. So Melvin Ingram adds another layer to this offense and uh, sorry, this defense. And I, I really am excited about this. And I think again, another fantastic deal and a guy who he didn't want to come here under Flores, but now we've changed the culture. We've changed the vibe. We've added all these pieces. He comes here for the less than what he would have costed last year under Brian Flores. Yet again, another thing where it takes McDaniel only a couple months to do something Flores was trying to do for years. Shout out to Mike McDaniel. The guy's an absolute super genius. I can't wait to watch this translate on field and people really get put back on their heels. Um, but and then with two in the whole leadership, you know, the one thing I've noticed is you know how free everyone is. I mean, you, you go look at the post draft press conference with, with Mike McDaniel and Greer. How much was Chris Greer laughing laughing during that press conference? You know, you look at Tua. You know that throw that came out with Trent Sherfield today. I'll tell you why they muted that video because he because I've been hurting. You know, you know. Shout out to the homie Nick Hicks. Um, you know he, he was telling me you know a couple of days ago just about how much different Tua is than when he arrived last year. You know. He's a lot more open. He's a lot more free. And I'll tell you why. Because this guy was out here, you know, after Sherfield made that catch, he's probably, you know, yeah, and right, man. Like, you know, we're seeing this guy grow up in front of us. And look at all of a sudden, you know, last year was, oh, he's not a good leader and blah, 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 leadership issues. All of a sudden, what? Did everyone just start hanging out with him this offseason? Because we're hearing about nothing about hangouts involving Tua, Tua hosting, and to the point where the coach comes to them now. So yeah. what, all of a sudden, Flores left and he came out of his shell as this super social guy? No, because if you watch someone who's coming to Miami, Neil, out of Bama, remember all the videos of him and Najee Harris and all these guys? He was all super social. The problem is, when you got freaking reports coming out from Barry Jackson and such, that veteran players, not even rookies, were walking through the ha hallways of Hard Rock with their head down when other people walk past them because they the the whole energy and vibe is they don't want to get in trouble or say the wrong thing. It, it's just it, it's just so refreshing to see where this team is at right now and like having fun again, man. He's having fun again. And he is having fun. And you know what the other thing too is, bro? You know, I know you're talking kind of about you know not getting overexcited about these training camp videos. And I've told people, listen, this has been my my theme. Don't put stock in it, but take notice of it. And the reason why I've been saying that is because, again, there was not this optimistic chatter from the local media specifically about Tua Tungvaloa, who were in these early OTA open practices the last two years. It just wasn't there. And it goes back to something you've said about the noticeable difference in the arm. You know, Omar Kelly said something about, you know, it's not a drastic change, but it's noticeable. Well, I don't need drastic. Drastic yeah. would have taken us on the level of, like, high second tier on the cusp of being a first tier arm in the NFL. That's drastic. Drastic is a big word, right? Like, drastic is a massive leap. All right. I needed a noticeable improvement. And then when they added that there's a noticeable improvement specifically over balls over the middle, well, what was told to me months ago by Nick Hicks was last year he was asked to bulk up by the coaching staff, get bigger, came through Galu, came down to Nick Hicks, etc. Well, now because you know Galu, quarterback coach, tied in, everything like that, the word has been listen, we want to lean you out. Because obviously bulking up last year affected his touch and such over the middle, right? And now you've seen they've leaned out. The two, two main key things was footwork and leaning out. And now you're seeing the leaning out and the improved footwork. All of a sudden, there's more velocity. There's more torque on the football. And it's because last offseason was about getting that strength, getting to NFL-level strength. Now that he's kept that foundational strength throughout the season, they can build off that foundation. And now we're getting into actual, real quarterback driven off seasons. It's no longer rehabbing an injury because when I had Nick Hicks first on F inside the NFL over a year ago, what he told all of my viewers and myself was when Tua arrived, if he stood on the leg with the injured hip, he couldn't, he couldn't balance just on that leg alone. He couldn't, he was at about 60% health. Now 
He's in a lot better spot. They can build out the foundation that's already been built. And Neil, now we're starting to see the results to the point where he was wearing the orange jersey today, which is given out to the top performer of the previous practice. We all remember Jalen Phillips was rocking it on Tuesday because he was the top performer on Monday's practice. Well, they didn't have OTAs on Wednesday, so the Tuesday guy was wearing it today. And that was to a Tagvaloa. He's still throwing deep dimes. And Neil, he is out to show everyone right now that this early hype might be real. And I will say this, that early hype we got from the local media day, Tuesday being their first day able to see, clearly that hype was real if Tua was given the top performer jersey, Neil. Yeah, and I'll jump into two in a second. I just want to say one thing on the Melvin Ingram uh, situation because it kind of ties in with what you said with Jalen Phillips because I think nobody on this roster benefits more from Melvin Ingram signing than Jalen Phillips. And even though Ingram could steal some of his snaps this year, whenever I was – when I led my sales team and I got somebody who was awesome, had a great personality, but was green in terms of sales, the first thing I ever wanted to do was say, I'm going to gift you with one of my veterans so that they could show you the ropes. You got the energy. You got the charisma. Now let me teach you how to be a salesperson. Let me teach you how to be a pro, right? And what we saw in year one out of Jalen Phillips, right? Eight and a half sacks, that natural burst. the On the a limited mag- snap count at times. Yeah, with a limited snap count, the magnet to the football. I, you know, we know that this Dolphins team was young, and they needed a veteran presence up front. And I, like that's why Melvin Ingram is going to be so – not only is he going to contribute, but he's going to be like a player coach for Jalen Phillips, for Brendan Scarlett, for Cameron Good, who, who probably will be on the practice squad, for Andrew Van Ginkle. So he makes the unit – better so but you know so that's all i really want to say on ingram but let's get hyped about our hold on before you get to the quarterback i just want to get your thoughts because you mentioned his name do you think andrew van ginkle should be given interior linebacker snaps this year because i do think that's something i do flirt with i do i do And, and and i think if he can pull that off successfully he might have a contract here if not i think the dolphins i mean with two first round picks next year you can't pay everyone van ginkle's gonna demand some dollars yeah. and n- trust me you're gonna love next year but don't you think ball. melvin really helps him because here's the thing when we've seen avj avg's best ball neil it's when he's in that four to five hundred snap range oh Once yeah you start putting more responsibility on the plate he kind of becomes more of a normal guy you know what i mean like and Melvin Ingram, that's why I think you should be rotating Ingram and AVG and I think you should be rotating between end and edge and different spots. Ogbon Phillips should be getting on the field the most. Right. I mean, look, you know, I think you hit him with seven different kinds of smoke here. You do different formations. You have versatility from your players. That makes you dangerous, right? Like, I think Andrew Van Ginkle has been a – for a fifth-round pick, I mean, he's been a hell of a find for this football team. I mean, he's made big plays. He's got the motor you want. He's a good culture guy. And, you know, he's definitely like a lunch pail type player. So, like, you know, I, I've seen him, and he's stout against the run. I know he could take snaps in the middle. And and I think if he highlights that versatility, you know, that could be, that could buy him. I mean, look, he's, he's, he's playing for a contract this year. And we have a pretty loaded defense. And, I mean, I, I don't know what their internal thoughts are on paying him yet. But he's he can make it really hard for them to let him go, and um, the more he can do for this football team, the better. Yeah, let's go get your thoughts on two. Uh, well, let's get hyped about the quarterback here because here here here's why it, the Tua thing matters so much to me. The roster construction that we see has been amazing. It's way better than I ever anticipated two or three years ago, to be honest. Where we are. And for those of us who are draft nuts that follow the draft, follow these players in their journey, actually break down their games, watch the tape. I, I've been on here and I've said that Tua is my number one ranked quarterback tied with Andrew Luxon's Peyton Man in 99. And that that was all documented before he was a Dolphin. I mean, that's that's what I've thought about Tua Tungavaloa. Because when I watched him play, his accuracy and efficiency – made him cerebral and when he was cerebral 
he came out in those big games and he was swinging and he's throwing the ball all over the field. And literally, I had never in my life seen anything that looked so well oiled in my life in watching football and from the offensive side of the ball. I was in awe of watching him lead Waddle, Ruggs, Devontae Smith. And great, you know, he has a ton of first round wide receivers at his disposal. But you know what? Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill is the best receiver core he's ever had, ever. So this is the first time that anything has been similar to him. At Alabama, Nick Saban supported Tua, loved him. He had coaches that loved him, players that loved him. Everything is in line for him. And if he becomes what we all thought he was going to become, if he comes in that ballpark this year, this team's a Super Bowl contender. And I don't say that lightly. But if Tua becomes the guy, if Tua becomes a Joe Burrow, a Justin Herbert, right, with this defense, th these weapons, like this team is as dangerous as any team in football, and I truly believe that. So that's why what we're seeing, it's hard not to get excited because we're seeing glimpses of Alabama Tua Tungavaloa. And that guy changed college football from the time he walked on the field and won a national title, you know, starting a half of football against Georgia, which was a very talented defense at the time. I mean, I just feel like the football gods and football fate are looking after this guy and he's healthy. He's got weapons. The line's better. But above all, He's got a coaching staff that believes in him, a coach that believes in him, a coach that knows how to maximize him. And it's just the opening OTAs. But there's a big story here, right? There's a confidence. There's a swagger to Tua, right? When you watched him at Alabama, right? Like, I just remember seeing how much fun he was having. And I'm starting to see that again. You know, he throws that touchdown to Trent Shurfield today. He's yeah. got the orange jersey and he's hopping around, man. Like, that's what it's all about. That is what it's You're seeing all the about. love for the game again. Right. Brian Flores stole the love of Tua's game of football. He made it as miserable as he could make it for the guy. He started turning into a love and uh, sorry, instead of a into a job instead of a passion. And and we saw that. And like there's times where you look back during the regular season and you look at the bench and you see this look onto his face, you know, and, and you don't pay too much mind when you watch it for the first time. And then now in retrospect, you could just see the disconnect. Well, what did you think there. about what Omar Kelly said on big O show that Tua actually turned down, you know, being nominated for captaincy because he didn't want um, meet extra meetings with Flores because it would mean extra time. Right. Well, here, here's the thing I can tell you that I know he's going to have a seat on his chest this year. I, I can guarantee I'd there's other odds on that. What are, can I put some odds? I put some money and, on that one. And that's, and that, that says a lot, especially on the year where the he already looks to the leader, bro. This is why I went back to what I said earlier, Neil, what happened? All of a sudden this guy became the most social guy on the team. Remember everyone was like, Oh, we don't see him hanging out with people. Oh, they're not hanging out with people. And then Waddle had to kind of say, you know, to remember Waddle even saying, you know, to is kind of like a reserve guy, blah, 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 blah. Now, one of the sun's happening. This guy's they're out here at the F at the F one. These guys are striking poses for like album covers, bro. Like and his dogs attacking Tyree kill Tyree right? kill Tyreek's already <laughs> like at his house chilling. Like what? what uh, Neil, please answer me the question. When all of a sudden, is it a coincidence that Flores left and he all of a sudden became a social butterfly? Or was he the social butterfly all along and Flores just didn't want anyone talking about this kind of stuff? There's there's no doubt in my mind, and I was wrong at the time, but that Brian Flores dampered and had dark clouds over everything that was going on in that building. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, look, I can we could break down more than just Tua. Like the X. amount of snaps that Jalen Phillips wasn't playing last year. Yeah. And Jalen, did you did you see did you watch Jalen Phillips's media availability, Neil? Not today. I or, did not. No, see no, it. no. The one from uh, the last one he did, like last week or the week before. Did you see that one? No, I did not. Neil, he talked about you need to go. I told it. A couple of people actually haven't watched it, but I will say, even though it's a couple weeks old, Neil, go back and watch it, bro. He talked. He had to go get a confidence coach, dude. He's been seeing a a confidence like therapist. 
since last season because he basically said our coaching staff, you know, he lost confidence in his game because of, and he said, and a key thing that he says, Neil, is he didn't start getting his confidence back until he started making plays and he and the coaching staff started showing they believed in him again. So the, the, they must have ran this kid into the ground because they didn't like what they were seeing. And the thing is, like, and then all of a sudden when he started producing sacks, they started loving on him again. Common theme here, right? Common theme, right? And, and when you and I have talked about this offline, a lot of times we draft these guys and we don't put them in position to succeed right away. We don't give them opportunity to make plays. We don't have them give them opportunity to live up to their draft status. And what I like, that's why I think what Jalen Phillips did last year with eight and a half sacks is pretty remarkable because he didn't play that much. You Dude, know, he, he should have easily had, he should have easily had 12 sacks. Oh, I, I mean, and I, I've told you this. I think he outside of Tua Tungavaloa is going to be the biggest breakout player on this football team this year. You um, wanted me to go even further than you. I told uh, the homie EM Dolphin fan, I told him a couple of days ago, and then I said a public health inside the NFL. I think in two years it's gonna be like Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, Jalen Phillips. Wow. No, I mean I'm because not here's the thing, that. if you go back when like when I looked at him coming out of Miami, Neil, if you look at his production and his combine and his like athletic profile, he was oh. literally a mixture of Nick and Joey Bosa. Like I call him the third Bosa brother. If you look at his athletic profile up to his production, it was either Nick Bosa or Joey Bosa, either way you went. It was kind of crazy, bro. Like, well, if you look at it. Right? Wasn't he at one point the number one rated player coming out of a high school in the whole country? Yeah, man. The thing is, dude, I think the UCLA thing was overblown, dude. And I think that's why he said, yo, I'm going to play football. I'm okay. What are you guys t- talking about? I, I, and they yeah. just didn't want to be liable, right? Because that didn't even happen on the football field. Remember, that was like a moped accident. Remember? That's well, the, the, the concussion and the broken arm and stuff like that. Remember, that was a moped accident when he was at UCLA. It wasn't even actually on the field. And yeah, then they, I, they didn't want him, they didn't they didn't want him to strap up. So he transferred out because he's like, I'm good to go. And they weren't they weren't ready to clear him. They didn't want to be liable. I, I was the biggest Najee Harris fan in the world last year. And I think he's a better Bush pick. He's a better pick. Yeah. Because of the way he's and been. Holland was the better pick. Then Javante Williams. It. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. And, and like, and and that's. I'll say this: Javon Holland was a better pick than Najee Harris, bro. I mean, I I think, Javon and I like Holland. Najee a lot, but Javon Holland is on trajectory to be top three at his position. I think because of the backs currently in the NFL, I think Najee could get to top ten running back. I don't see Najee currently in the next year becoming a top five run because. I think that off. I think there's too many issues offensively in Pittsburgh for him to overcome and become that. Did Minka Fitzpatrick ever look as good at any time in Miami? No. Javon, Javon Holland, Holland is right. better than Minka, bro. Right. I, I mean, I just that's what I'm saying, and, and I think that Minka's the best free. And they haven't even football. tapped into his versatility because, you know, I've been talking about this kid since 2019. Man, when I was diving into Herbert heavy, I was watching Javon Holland a lot, and I fell in love with him. And I started, you know, I started my channel in March. 2020 and i've been talking about him since the day i started my channel you know um even though he opted out last year um sorry the draft year of him um you know how he opted out i still did a video in october of that year saying you know top 25 players that dolphin fans need to watch and he was like number eight or number nine and you know i i think this guy, because we still had Bobby McCain at that point, I think, and Eric Rowe. But I said, yo, watch this guy, right? And, yo, man, like, if, if people actually watched him in depth, people don't realize he played single high, he played box, he played the slot, and they even lined him up on the boundary from time to time, bro. Like, oh, yeah. this guy was the Jamal Adams Swiss Army knife coming. And here's the thing that I liked about him. See, if you look at the college tape, it looks like he doesn't have the size to play in the box, right? And then you look at him now, he looks like he made the most of his opt-out. Like, he's a lot bigger than what he was at Oregon. And, like, I got no problem. And he's, like, he was always a sure tackler and a good, solid hitter. But when he bulked up, he became a harder, more violent hitter, too, now. And I got to give kudos to Javon Holland, who will probably never hear this, but... 
he clearly put in the work coming out of uh, what opting out. He took that opt out year and made the most of it. And you've seen it translate, bro. Javon Holland is that dude. And shout out because he's got that Canadian tag to him. Too. I think he's listening right now, man. I, I, if he's not, come on, Javon, you better tune in. But I, I'm with you. And, and I don't know if you've been told this, but I, I've been told to expect him to play more, a little more slot this year and that they've been working on formations that show X and Needham on the boundary with Byron Jones as a free and Holland in the slot. Bro, he can cover anything. He can cover slot receivers. He can cover boundary receivers. He can cover tight ends. He, Dude, that guy can do anything. Like well, People don't this, realize right? how good he is. When we, get our, when we were getting owned by Buffalo last year, and I like Nick Needham, Nick Needham was getting abused in the slot. And that was the only game. He okay. He's only the only team that's abused him in the last two years. Buffalo in that final week of 2020, winning we're in right. And that game you're talking about. Other than that, he's been all, lights out in the slot, all, bro. Right. And, and remember, in 2020, it was Isaiah McKenzie who was lighting him up. Remember? Well, and I don't think that's a. I'm not ripping Needham because I think no, Needham's no, no. Needham's a stud, bud. Needham's a I, stud, bro. I think that there's going to be a transition after this season where Needham and actually your starters and Byron Jones is probably not going to be on the roster. I agree, um, bro. So, you know so, where I'm at, bro. I'm at like let's go get Keely Ringo in the first round, bro. Let's. Oh let's man, talk. you're gonna love my first 2023 mock then that I did, uh, bro. I have that happening. You know what? I'll, let's go balls deep. I want Keely Ringo and Bajan Robinson in the first round. Hey, you're bro. really gonna love bro. my first mock because that's the pick <laughs> that I have them getting. Uh, but, um, <laughs> let's go, man. But like, yeah. So I, I and I think Holland's up for that role, like covering the slot and you know and, and doing that if needed. But that versatility again, so key. But yeah, man, I, I'm all in on this two a train. I like to see that people are getting excited. It's great to be excited when you look at the, the story. You don't always have to gravitate to the negative and try to find the butt. Yeah, like I got so many people today saying you said the same thing last year. Okay. Cool. So let's, let's see how it plays out. Sorry, I, I believe in uh, in Nick Hicks' perform and to his work ethic that it's eventually going to turn in to something very tangible for us. I mean, uh, our, and now here's the thing, Neil. What people don't realize is, okay, okay, Neil. We can admit he took a leap forward next year. He just didn't take as big of a leap as some people it wanted him bad. to. It okay, bad, but it was good. Yeah. You know, well, you know, the Tennessee game was bad, but then he came back and we knocked the New England in the mouth again. But anyways, the thing was to again, we had all the Nick, you know, Neil. We knew, we knew. Everyone was like, "Oh, this season's on tour." And what was I telling everyone? It's on the offensive line, and it wasn't just Tua that suffered. Gaskin suffered. Our run game suffered hard from it. And then, uh, again, we ran into another year where Bowden was punished by them. Okay? So they put him on IR and they stashed him. And we had no one behind Jalen Waddle. And it was literally Jalen Waddle. It was literally because Gusecki disappeared. Overhyped Devontae Parker for five years in a row. Yeah, but Gusecki disappeared after the Ravens game. He did. And it was literally Waddle and Tua was our offense. And let's be honest. Go look at Waddle's numbers with Jacoby Brissett, who some of these haters were saying, oh, he's going to be Tua out. All right, now they just shifted to Teddy this year. But they all said, go look at his average depth of target went up his yards per game went up his touchdowns per game went up everything went up when Tua came back with Waddle all right and now okay we can agree now that he's had two years and this is before the additions we've made Neil we can agree now with two years of seeing NFL defenses of being around NFL teams of of getting used to the game speed me and you can both agree, just yes or no. Me and you could both agree that he was probably just going to naturally take another leap this year, right? We can agree right. with that, right? right. Again, yeah. we don't know how big, but we knew one was going to happen, right? But now, with the coaching staff we've added, the personnel we've added, can we both agree that we, again, don't know the size of the leap, but we could both agree it's going to be a lot bigger than what we originally thought that leap was going to be before the additions happened, No. Oh, I, I think he's going to be the most improved player in all of football. So, I mean, is it really far-fetched for him, for the expectation to be him to give us top 12 play at the position? No, when, it, when Neil, in November, in that half of the Ravens game, in the next three games, he gave us, because you remember, 
for the first time, and this is why I think Ross gave him the other chance. Well, not only the golfing thing and how Flores of a shitty person Flores was, but also for the first time, Neil, over that three and a half game span for the month of November, basically, the quarterback position in Miami was talked very positively about. We saw the tweets where they he was statistical top five in a lot of different statistical categories. He gave us top 15 play. And he did it by polishing a bunch of turds into gold. And right. you know what I mean? And and you look at it now, Neil, now we've given him a lot more to rely on, a lot more to help him out and be successful from the coaching staff to the personnel in the field. Bro, it was, he was organically going to take a leap anyways. Now, organically, he's going to take a much bigger leap than the original leap we thought of. And it could be even bigger than that because of all we added. Like, people don't realize this is going to be the first year. See, we've got kind of a grasp, and, and I know you're going to agree with this. People need to think about this. Sit back and think about reason about what reason is about to tell you right now. Guess what? Here's the reality of the situation and why there's still a ton of people who believe in this player. We've got a grasp of what his floor is. He's already proven... He's a competent NFL starter, and he's proven that with Jack Bo Diddley around and, and him. Winner, and a winner. And, and a, winner. a winner. And a winning record with Jack Bo Diddley around him offensively from personnel-wise to staff-wise, okay? Now, the fact that he's already, already proven that, the thing is, he hasn't. we haven't got a glimpse of his ceiling. That's why people are still believing in this kid is because think of it. We have a grasp of his floor, but we are still projecting him like a you would a draft pick in terms of what his ceiling could be. Now, we know it could be elite efficiency, elite accuracy, and a, elite football IQ. Those are the three things that Brady's made a living off. Those are the three biggest keys I think you need to be a Super Bowl quarterback. It's not big arm. It's not bazooka arm. It's give me elite efficiency, give me elite football IQ, and give me elite accuracy, and we're going to win Super Bowls. And we know that ceiling's in there, but the thing is he's still a projection because we haven't seen those things come together consistently. We've seen flashes of him. So the, that's the... That's the middle point and the purgatory we're all at with Tua is we could grasp his floor, but anyone who knows how to watch film, knows the game, knows football, knows his ceiling is still a projection based off of flashes we've seen. Right. Well, think about this, right? The, the NFL comp for Tua coming out from a lot of people was a left-handed Drew Brees, right? Which was a problem, Neil. I hate player comps because the people – watching ESPN or Mel Kuyper or whatever, or some listening to listening to people on the internet or whatever. Those people, my friend, when you don't do the research yourself, you become a dangerous thing. And what I mean by that is this whole player comp thing. A lot of these people thought they heard what you just said. And they said, that's what we're going to get from day one without yeah, realizing no. player comps are ceilings that environment personnel and coaching growth and development can potentially get you to they don't realize it's a ceiling neil they thought because that wasn't the only one they thought we were going to get drew Brees or russell wilson day one without realizing those players needed help look at what what russell had he had marshawn in a run game and daryl bevel to lean on early in his career and a couple weapons that came over from minnesota and Sidney rice and percy harvin and did they have daryl jackson did they I thought they had Daryl Jackson for a few years with Russell. But they had like, a, remember his first four or five years under Daryl Bevel, they were a top five offense in the NFL. My point is, Russell came into a better environment. Russell, now, see, and again, what people forget, and I know you don't, Neil, because, you know, we got elephant minds with when it comes to football. They don't remember the Chargers breeze, Neil. Well, that's what I was just going to say, man, is the parallels are actually eerie because exactly. Char Drew Brees failed as the Chargers quarterback. They let him go as a unrestricted free Yeah, agent. you remember Schottenheimer wanted to keep him, but that new GM drafted yeah. Phillip Rivers and said, screw you, I'm going with uh, – we're going with Phillip. Well, they, they, if you remember, they actually drafted Eli, and then Eli yeah, – they traded for Phillip. So, yeah. so I actually think it's funny because Drew Brees' career – Changed and it was everyone's gonna say it was because of the change of scenery, 
I think it was the change of where he became comfortable and the system was set for his success. And, and I think like without Tua having to leave Miami, everything around him has changed. And like that's the ceiling we could see here. And, you know, I look, it's not going to happen in year three to that level. But what happened with Drew Brees is that he kept kept getting gradually better and better and better. Yeah. And his passing style was so similar to Tua. So, like, I'm really excited for that aspect of it because I know we haven't seen the best. You know what we need, Neil? The leap needs to be noticeable throughout the media. You know what I mean? But the media is not fair because let's let's do an exercise here. At any point, if you take out, I, no, I'm talking about for the hate to stop for us to stop hearing the nonsense. I'm not oh, talking well, I, about. I agree, I'm not talking I, about for him to stick around. If the if the leap gets noticed by the media, it's already been noticed in the room, and he's sticking around. So I ain't worried. Football fans fans care too much what like Kyle Brandt says on Good Morning Football, and I'm just using him as an example because yeah, yeah. my my response to that is. If you, I, I too has had two really bad games in the last game of the season against the Bills and the Titans, but he has never at a period of time looked as bad as Trevor Lawrence did for a stretch of games. Yeah. And Jacksonville had a good offensive line last year. They didn't have the greatest weapons, and they still probably don't. But and every- we could have never got away in the two years of Tua under Flores, only allowing him to throw three times and lean on our defense and our run game and our offensive line to to keep us in a game with Buffalo like the Patriots did. So again, personnel and coaching. So so I, I, are, are the are the Bears going to give up on Justin Fields? Are the Jacksonville Jags going to give up on Trevor Lawrence? Dude, Zach Wilson? Yeah, Zach I mean, Wilson is a joke compared to Tua. Let's call it spade and spade here. I don't care what Jet fans are trying to say out here. I saw that throw. I don't know if you saw that. It was to Braxton Berrios a couple days ago. It was a hitch route. And he throws the hitch. Okay, you know you know the hitch route, right? It's coming to the inside. You you got to throw that when they're that that ball's got to be out and it's got to be delivered. So when they break towards you towards the ball, that ball, bam, it's right there, buddy. This guy throws to the outside shoulder, and you if you freeze frame it, he doesn't start releasing the football until Braxton gets to the top of his route and starts breaking back towards him on the top of the hitch, and it's like, bro, your timing sucks. Your act, I'm like, bro, you throw that inside the 2030 X taking that to the house. Right. I'm like, and you are in you are in shorts and you're in the underwear Olympics, and your timing and accuracy is already pupella. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we're we can argue about the Jets. Well, because I know Neil, I know you're a draft guy like me. Didn't you notice when you watched Zach Wilson? And it was this is why I knew they would I, I knew the Jets would take him. But didn't you notice that a lot of his good stuff came outside of the pocket? And when you kept him to the pocket at BYU, he really wasn't that good. He was my 38th player in that draft. And the words I wrote, beware of Kyle Bowler is what I wrote next to his name. Yeah. like, And so, bro, that's a big red flag at the NFL level, right? Because if I can just keep – that tells me that as long as the play doesn't get broken down and I just keep you contained to the pocket (laughs) – you're, you're you're trash, bro. I'm gonna eat you alive. Yeah, I I, I mean, look, I, the Jets because he doesn't good... have Josh Allen arm, bro. Let's not get this. Yeah, I mean, the Jets had a good draft, so they're they're pounding their. They chest. had a good draft. Yeah, but, but this, come on, they, 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 ours they, the here, here's the problem, bro. Our off, you know why our off season is better than the Jets? We added proven commodities. They added right. a bunch of projections. Well, I, I would say this though: as good as I think their draft class was this year, ours the year before was better with Waddle, Phillips, yeah, and Holland, and. Yeah. That's just the bottom line. And adding Tyree Kill, Taron Armstead, Cedric Wilson. Gardner's about Elvin to get Ingram. sauced by Jalen, buddy. That's what's and, about and, to you know, and, and I've told you that I was, I, I've been, I was pounding the sauce Gardner thing. You love sauce. Oh, but we know what Waddle about to do. Waddle or Tyreek about to do to him. We know what's about to happen. Oh, bro. I, I thought he was a great player if the Ravens drafted him at 14. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm just being honest. Like, that's where I had him. And, and I'm not saying that, like, it made sense why the Jets went that route. Yeah. But his skill set against small, fast receivers is he gets very grabby. And I, I like I haven't seen it here in Miami for a long time, but I love 40 yard flags. I'll take them all day long. <laughs> right. I, I will. And you know, at the end of the day, like 
They yeah, but you think he's going to be able to keep up? You think he's going to be able to mirror those two guys? I think they're going to blaze dude, them. They're, dude, I saw what Tyreek Hill did to Marlon Humphrey, who I think is a top five corner. What football. about what Waddle did? Did you go back and watch? Bro, you go back and watch the all 22 of Waddle and don't even look at the plays where Waddle made a play. There are a bunch of plays oh, yeah. where Waddle is turning Marlon Humphrey inside out and he doesn't even get the ball thrown his way, bro. <laughs> I, I think Jalen, uh, we've talked a lot about Tua's explosion, and that's and I think that's going to happen. Oh, Jalen Waddle, we're about to Waddle. see him with his one-on-ones in open space. Let's go, bro. See, I, I think Jalen Waddle is going to become one of the most dangerous players in football. Oh, it's over, buddy. We I, have I, the best number one and two in the football because, bro, listen, Jam- here's the thing. This is why I say, why can't we be the Bengals? All the moves they made last year, we did them but upgraded. They added Jamar Chase to bump down T. Higgins to two and Tyler Boyd to three. We added Tyreek that bumped down Jalen Waddle to two and had Cedric Wilson at three. I mean, we don't have a Joe Mixon, but if Raheem Mozart, Edmonds, and and uh, and uh, Michelle stay healthy, they can uh, – a collaborative effort can give us a mix and like production. I mean, they don't have Usama anymore, and Gasecki's here. Let and Smith Smite's going to Hunter get, Long's coming. Yep, Hunter Long is coming. And then, bro, they added Riley Reef. We added Taron Armstead. They added Jackson Carmen. We added Connor Williams. They really upgraded their their defense. Our defense is more talented, and we added more to it. Why can't? And here's the best thing about it: heading into that season, my friend. Even down to the statistics, there wasn't much of a gap at all, if any, between Tua Tungamaloa and Joe Burrow. But that's the difference between a team in the offseason who makes all the right moves and a team in the offseason who doesn't make enough of the right moves. And that's what we were in 2020. But now in 2021, we are the team that makes all the right moves. And why can't we be the Bengals this year? Well, a well-known Dolphins... um reporter writer and i didn't i don't have his permission so i'll ask him this week if i can put his name to this but he was the thing he was telling me was just how noticeable tyree kill was and we even talked about brandon marshall and how excited you know as dolphin fans we were when that was trade was made but then brandon marshall came here and had some outside noise but just honestly never lived up to the hype in my opinion and in this person's opinion and what i've heard is just the waddle tyree kill combination out there it's just so scary good that it's like it's really hard not to be overexcited about it yeah i know yeah and 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 i've heard that from multiple people actually and I, and I can see it just glimpses in the videos, right? And, you know, we've had this happen so many times during the Dolphins' time where we have a young quarterback. And at this time, you know, Matt Moore is looking better than Tannehill or something like that, right? Like, not hearing anything about Teddy Bridgewater and just seeing all these videos about Tua. Because I think I, I truly believe that Teddy Bridgewater is one of the best three backups in football. I really, I'm not just like, I'm not trying to blow him off here. But we're not hearing any noise. And I know it's just been a few OTAs. But, like, you know, I I think I'm conditioned to think, like, the sky was going to come and we're going to get bad news. And, you know, it's just good to see that there's an excitement. I I saw one article say that defensive players were saying that, like, they can't believe the turnaround of the offense. And, like, I honestly don't think they've even seen anything yet because Mike McDaniels is – Mike McDaniels definitely starting to get his fingerprints out there, but like he hasn't showed his cards yet. And I, I just think that this offense is going to be transformed and be so fun to watch. Like the defense, like they collapsed sometimes last year because so much of the grunt of the responsibility was always thrown on their shoulders, right? Like the offense at times was so pathetic. It was hard to watch Dolphins football, but like, this team seems to be heading in the opposite direction and the defense is still very good. And they have young players that I think are going to break out with Phillips and Holland. But like, I just think this offense is really going to surprise some people. And I've seen like early projections have the dolphins at seven and, and 10 and six, 11. And man, I, I like you, you're betting on the dark horse. Can I like, I'm, I'm going to start setting aside 
money every two weeks of my paycheck just to bet on this Dolphins team because I, I just think that like the over under on their win ain't given much. They ain't putting out much though. How what is it? Is there over under wins? Uh, it's like uh, eight and a half. Yeah, that's tight. I, I think they're gonna go over for sure. So like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, get it. I picked the over two and it only was like I I, I tested at like twenty five bucks and only paid out like seventeen. That's good. Yeah. No, I mean, look, but like, like, I think it's like, you know, I guess what I'm just long windedly saying is it's cool to be excited about your football team going in the season. I sure as hell didn't think we had, you know, I thought we had a playoff opportunity last year and that's still because of my belief in Tua, but I'll tell you this, there's been a very, very long time. I don't know if I felt this good about a Dolphins team. In the post Amarina era, even though I love the defense of Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas defenses, but I never believed in Jay Fiedler. I never thought yeah. that he would go in there and win a tight game in the playoffs. And, and no one did do that. So, like, I, I don't, I'm not going to go on a, a wagon here and, and go crazy and say they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, but I think they can win the division. I have, I think they're going to go 12 and five. And if they go 12 and five, win a playoff game, and two is the franchise quarterback. With the draft capital they have next year, I mean that is how a team goes from being very good to dangerous. And like I'm, I'm so damn excited right now. I, I think it's great to be excited about your team. You know, have optimism. Sure, there's, 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 there's chinks in the armor you can always find. There's always something. But like just little things, like you know, Miles Gaskin was our starting running back last year. The guy's not even going to make the roster this year. Right, we're going out and getting Sonny Michelle as our running back three, two two weeks ago. Right, and I would take Sonny Michelle over Miles Gaskin every day, especially Sunday. Right, like I I, I just don't I I just think that there's so many good moves that they've made, and I I don't think they're done. I know Nick Hicks said he don't think they're done. I, I I don't I don't know. He never told me what he meant by that, but I don't know what else they could do. Let me let me ask you if you could add one person. Akeem uh, Hicks or J.C. Treader? J.C. Treader, because I, I like, I just think that that makes your offensive line. So here's the way I look at, because I like Akeem Hicks, but I I think Raquan Davis is going to grow, and I like I think Adam Butler is a very reliable backup with a high ceiling, and I like Zach Sealer, and I like the depth up front. I think Michael Dieter is the biggest question mark on the whole offense, and if I can go left to right, Taron Armstead, Connor Williams. J.C. Treader, Robert Hunt, best man between Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg, sign me up. I think that's the best line that we could put out there next season. Obviously, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I've, I've heard that there's concerns about Austin Jackson. And he's not going to be given the position. He's going to have to earn it. And I've also heard that the Dolphins like Eikenberg a lot. And they actually like him inside a lot. So I, I don't know how it's all going to shake out. I'm really interested to see how it all pans out. But, God, J.C. Treader is so damn good. I mean, he's. would you agree that he's a top five center in football? Uh, top five, eh? Uh, Eric, Eric McCoy, Ryan Jensen. Uh, what's his face from the Chargers? From the Corey Chargers. Lizley. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so like you know, he's on the cusp, let's say, of being a top five center. Definitely top ten. Yeah, I, I mean, and Dieter would not make most people's top twenty, right? So when you can take that high of a leap uh, at center, and then just like the depth comes, right? Like when the depth comes, and you know, the last thing I'll say is that I, 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 I as a rookie, this guy looked promising. He was in a doghouse all year. Was Solomon Kinley held back by Brian Flores as well? Why aren't they cross? You know, I've heard he's lost thirty pounds. He's a little more fleet of foot. Why not cross train him at center? I, I just think he's going to. I honestly think he's the ideal right guard. And so I, I just named what I think would be the best line. What I think the opening day offensive line is going to be for the Dolphins before we get to training camp is going to be Armstead, Williams, Dieter, Kinley. And hunt. I, I I and I think that with the versatility, the, the sixth swing guy is going to be Liam Eikenberg, who can play on you know 
some guard, some tackle, and that, and that's just my hunch based on some things I've heard. So we'll see. I mean, the good news is I think there's some competency there that we didn't have last year. Um, but there's still definitely some questions on the offensive line, right? Like it's not on the left side and Robert Hunt's a good starter. I would say we have one great starter, two really good starters, and then a couple an adequate starter and then a question mark is what I would say is what it looks like. Yeah. Um, if we're going pre, I don't know, man, I just don't see, you know, no pads are on yet. Like, right. What, what are you really learning right now? You know what I mean? Like that's, a, that's the thing. Like wait till the pads go on and let's talk, you know? Well, well, we know they're going to get tested because that defensive front's going to be a fucking pain in their ass, oh, right? Sure. Like, I mean, yeah. Jalen Phillips and Melvin Ingram and, I mean, like, Zach Sealer, man, that guy doesn't take a damn snap off. Christian Wilkins, like, I, you know, the, the Dolphins have already committed to him, but he's still waiting to get that contract. I, I think Christian Wilkins is going to play some good football this year, man. I, I mean, look, I, I, honestly, let, let me ask you a question. What do you think are our biggest holes? Um, I think we do need interior depth behind, like, because I mean, Jenkins is past his prime. We saw how badly it hurt us when Raquan Davis went down, so we do need right. depth there. Um, and then I still think we could use more linebacker depth on the interior. Yep. Um, and then, but the real pressing would obviously be center and right tackle. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I I'm with you. I think. And, and I just kind of dub it up as offensive line, inside linebacker. I think those are the two biggest needs. Um, and then, like, you know, like, I look, I'm a big Raekwon Davis fan. I just need to see a little bit more. You know, I, I just need to. Um, like, I don't want – I don't I, – I want him to leave as a bona fide defensive starter this season, right? Get healthy. Because, like, he, I mean, he was tough last year. If you remember, he got hurt and he toughed it out and he came back. I mean, I'm a bit – like, Raekwon Davis has showcased the ability to be dominant. I just want to see it at a consistent level. Mm. But, no, man, I, I think there's a lot to be excited about now, next year, the future. This team's got a big window, three, four years, and, and that's big in the NFL. So, fins up. Any uh, final thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah, you know, it's getting into that kind of part of the season where OTAs will be wrapping up. It'll be kind of quiet. Um, you know, I, I just think the Dolphins still have some cap space. Uh, I, I, I do think they'll make another move. I don't know what it is. I'm just kind of freelance saying that, but I, I think that you'll see them add a starting quality player on the offensive line probably hmm. before the next time we get back together. Oh, you think it's going to be that quick? Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be J.C. Treader. I, I, I've heard directly that Minnesota's really interested, and for some reason – you know, he, he's just not sold on being in Miami. I've heard some things about the heat. Uh, you know, he has, he, I know he has some nagging injuries. The guy who I was wondering, it was out there and I don't have my list in front of me. Did Roger Saffold sign with anyone? I don't know. Hmm. It's like, uh, uh, what's his face? Didn't, um, parody parodies or whatever. Yeah, And that's the guy they sniffed around before. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I don't know who it will be. I like God, JC Treader. I, I mean, JC Treader for me would be a home run. I, I would, I would, be as excited as I was about Melvin Ingram for that move. Um, you know, maybe they maybe they can bring him home on a one year deal. I you know, and the one thing I don't know is does he want a one year deal? Does he want a two year deal? I mean, this guy was a All Pro nominee the last two years. Like, I I just don't. It, it's so interesting that first of all the Browns released him when they have some cap space, but they yeah. But I heard that was a. I heard that was a moral issue thing with the Watson scenario. Oh, okay. And, and geez, we're, I, we didn't even talk about that, and I don't want because to. Because he's but. the NFLPA president too, right? Yeah, well, and, and that's what's interesting. But, you know, like, look, if it is something with the heat, man, I get it, man. <laughs> like, if you don't do well in the heat. And well, you, not, even, not only not doing well, right? Like, when I heard about that and I dug a little deeper, I, I think it's from a conditioning standpoint in terms of, you know, he doesn't practice during the week. He's not going to be going hard during the training camp. So he's not going to be adjusted. He's going to be blown up by that by the second half in that Miami Heat. That's yeah. what's going to happen. 
Yeah, and, and like, look, it. you know, I, I don't fault a guy for wanting to pick his right scenario. And, you know, he's a Cornell guy. He's a smart guy. He's the NFLPA president. You know, he, he's probably got a lot of a bright future outside of this. You know, maybe for him, his football career is winding down and he he's like waiting for the perfect situation for him. Because you got to think, these guys have families. They got to relocate. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. We're just fans and we sit on the outskirts and act like everything's easy. But like, there's a lot that goes into it, right? And, and, for a lot of these guys, it's their job and, you know, their, their ideal situation, their ideal situation is whatever's best for their family. So, you know, I don't think necessarily, you know, we'll see how it pans out, but I, like the roster they have right now, I, it's hard for me to pick three or four teams in the AFC that I think are better than them. Maybe I'm getting a little too cocky. Maybe my head's getting a little too big, but I mean, Tyreek Hill, Taron Armstead and the litany of everything we went Love Chan and Tyndall in the draft. I just think everything – it's been a perfect storm um, based off of my my player ranking. So let, let's see if I know anything or if I'm just a, a gullible homer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. So yeah, man. always a pleasure. Absolutely. Guys, we appreciate all of you guys for tuning in. And until we dive back in Fin Too Deep next time, everyone stay happy, healthy, safe, and blessed. And as always, Fin's up.